I'm Q. And I'm Jewish Dave. This is Bird Road. This is Bird Road. That was really Election bad. Baby! Radio guy of me. My my I'm Jewish Dave. That's I don't, I don't I'm Jewish Dave. I'm Jewish Dave. Isn't it sad that like the biggest um, radio guys in the fifties and sixties and seventies, like they, they, they were Jewish guys that had to put on like a goy voice. <laughs> like, hi, I'm Jacob Rosenberg. <laughs> I mean, no, your name's not Jacob Rosenberg. It's 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 Jake Ross. Okay. Well, Ross is the. Luckily now, it's, it's, it's understood that Jews control everything now, so I mean, it's, it's okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and luckily there's never any violent recriminations or, no. um, you know, any any targeting of Jews. In yeah. our, no swastikas in houses uh, a few miles from me. Definitely. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, smash that subscribe button. Just, just smash with it. Um, Entre Dos is our other episode, our other podcast. If you're interested in raising bilingual children, you should be listening to that. Hosted by Monica and Paula. New episode coming this week. Dave, what's happening? I'm piecing it together. I know that you're like balls ass deep in um <laughs> piecing it together is doing awesome. We uh we we've got two back to back A twenty four episodes. Everybody knows I love A twenty four films. Uh we just did everyone uh, knows that. <laughs> we just did Never Going Back and coming up uh this Friday is uh mid nineties and they're both great episodes. So subscribe and check it out. So yesterday we talked we um posted an episode from a few weeks ago where we talked about uh the results of the election and what was at stake with Brian from Street Fight Radio. Check that Once out. Again, shout out to Brian for uh helping us get that episode up. Thank you, Brian. Brian Quimby, uh at Murder Brian, if you want to check him out on Twitter yes. or yeah, whatever. He's the man, the myth, the legend. Um, so really quick, I I mean not really quick. I wanted to devote this hour of time to like kind of dumping, jumping into. It's been a week now. It's been six days since the election results. I think some people, it's it's again, it's one of these sort of Rorschach tests where it's like you kind of see in it what you want to see in it. You could write literally any article or any story from any perspective. You know, so spinning any kind of uh, uh, narrative on top of it. Like Democrats started the fires in California. Literally. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was literally George Soros who was cooking a can of kerosene cooking. Yeah, he was he was with a can of kerosene, burning Bibles and cooking halal food Ooh, in a forest. <laughs> so yeah but and and uh it was during a you know because he's still an ardent nazi as everybody knows yes from his years of when he was 10 years old during the during world <laughs> war ii and I he had to even... pretend not oh. to be jewish to keep from being killed everybody <laughs> knows he's now an ardent nazi because they convinced him with the power of their ideas <laughs> So I wanted to do it like this, Dave. What do you think? I want to I want to um do the national election, kind of take a, a broad look really quick mm-hmm. through our sort of leftist, progressive leaning lens. Talk about what happened in Nevada because I, th- I think it was it's a great story. Um, Nevada is pretty firmly blue at this point. Yeah. I want to mention the status right now, which is still up in the air of um, of Arizona, your neighbor directly to the south. And then spend the most of this episode kind of talking about Florida because <laughs> there's just a whole fucking lot to talk about here. I literally. So I feel so bad for you. <laughs> literally in my backyard. Um, so look, what what was your takeaway? Did you stay up? And I mean, you guys are three hours behind. So I think that things are a little bit more. I feel like you get the rug pulled out from you a little earlier in your day. Like what was your, what was your election night? Like, um, yeah, no, I, I tried to stay up, but eventually I had to give in and cause especially in Nevada, I mean, of course I'm, you know, watching for that the most of anything and our results didn't come in until like almost midnight, I think. And yeah, I, I, I just couldn't do it. I tried, <laughs> but, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it was great seeing what happened in Nevada, but seeing the rest of the country, um, I mean, it was just such a mixed bag. I mean, there was obviously plenty of good news, but uh, certainly not yeah. all. And, you know. Yeah, we'll get to the good news in Nevada. Um, <clears throat> but more broadly, uh, yeah, and I, I, I mean, I was like drunk by 830. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, we, we kind of came to grips with the fact by like 830-ish that things were not going to go well here in Florida, but we were paying attention. It, it, I mean, the house was really the 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 overall control of the house seemed like it was in doubt until pretty late, and then even still, the next day, the narratives were, you know, coming from the Trump administration and from conservatives, and then of course, very dutifully being parroted by the the, the garbage television media that um, you know that that it was the the blue wave quote-unquote blue wave was 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 a weak one and that it was all you a know blue puddle i saw that headline many times yeah two or three two or three maybe five vote advantage that would that would happen in the uh, that would um that would manifest in the in the house and uh, it just over the course of the last week you know a few elections upon recount or further review or additional votes coming in this is the danger of trying to call things too early. It's now looking like the 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 Dems are going to win. The Democrats are going to um, win by a margin of like forty seats and have a really really firm control of the of the House now. Uh, to the point that Democrats are even talking about things like you know changing the makeup of the speakership and the leadership. Um, which if if it was a narrow win, I think you would have definitely seen Pelosi stay as staying well i should say resume her previous duties of speaker of the house Mm. now i don't know maybe not maybe some fresh blood an interesting thing being thrown out there as we talk about states that we don't usually talk about very much um beto o'rourke who uh as a consequence of having to of running for senate had to leave his congressional seat there is actually no and this is something that's being pushed out there um there's no rule that says that the Speaker of the House has to be a sitting member of Congress. And there are people who are saying Beto would be an ideal speaker for that in the House, which I could kind of see if you were, yeah, if you were priming him for some, another national run or as some fucking crazy people, I think are, are, are saying (laughs) (laughs) president in 2020. I, I mean, you never know though, because like I, you know, Look! Look what did get in. You know what I mean. I look, how, I mean look, how big, look how much of a circus it is. So it's like, why not at this? Point? Yeah, trying to predict what will go in there is what will win the presidency. Yeah. After Trump is whether that happens in 2020, 2024, whether he pulls in a Morton Joe and is there forever until like <laughs> 20, 2050 when he's just like a, a a rotting homunculus on a you know. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, the, whatever comes next, there's a theory. One of the Chapo guys said a while ago where it's like Trump is Trump was completely predictable. If you follow a certain arc of, you know, of the way that the country was trending, just like Obama was also predictable. If you follow, follow the trend of the country, Bush uh-huh. was predictable. Everything has been predictable. If you follow certain, you know, political science uh, theories and threads that that can show the direction that the country is going to head. But what doesn't track is what comes next. Like there is nothing that you can predict. Yeah, that uh, which is scary as shit because it's, it's so like weird. maybe nothing comes next. Um, <laughs> maybe it's hoarding water. I don't know. Um, in the house, Dems are probably going to have like a uh, you know a margin of victory of like forty seats. In the Senate, uh, you know they they and they won. If you look at the popular vote, which I know is not a thing that exists. But it still exists. They won by about five million. Five million more people pulled levers for Democratic Congress people than they did for um, Republican Congress people. So their margin of victory was five million. That manifested in about forty extra seats in the Senate. Eleven more million more people. Eleven million more people pulled levers for Democrats versus Republicans. That's awesome. And they lost. They lost <laughs> maybe as many. Two of them are still out, obviously. Kirsten Cinema in Arizona, who we're going to talk about for a second. And then also there's a Mississippi election that's that's going to a uh, 
uh, I forget if it's either a runoff or if it's a um, if it's a recount. But there's two two that are still out, and uh, we won't know the, uh, the 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 either way. There's no way that the Democrats will win. They will definitely only have fifty sure. ones at the most. They'll have they'll have a fifty one forty nine disadvantage, which is what they already had. Much more likely that they're going to be something like 50, 52 to forty eight. So they'll probably see a seat or two. Which is why I wanted to highlight this bullshit narrative where it was stronger in the days after the election where people were, I I just feel like the, the metaphor that I think of is if there's like this huge disruptive thing that's ruining your day or ruining your life or ruining your bedtime, right? Every, like some part of your, of, of, of your, of your existence. And it's not just ruining your bedtime or your day or whatever. It's ruining a bunch of other people's too. And all you talk about is sort of the circumstance of it. You talk about like, well, you know, this huge light is coming into all of our windows. Maybe if we close our windows, maybe if we, um, you know, if, if it's like some noise, right, maybe we'll come up with soundproofing or something like that, but never actually addressing the root problem of like the thing itself. That's the Senate. The Senate is this this enormous monolithic undemocratic institution that just sits in the middle of our country of our governing process and is never reflective ever is it reflective of our values it's never reflective of the will of the voters 11 million more people voted for one party and i know as i look at on the show notes here this piece from the Washington Post by Aaron Blake, who's a uh, political reporter over there, uh, that when you try to make this point, the the sort of like more literati members of, of the media poo-poo it and make fun of it and just kind of like say, uh, as Aaron Blake says here, the, senator po- the Senate popular vote is a bogus stat for a whole host of reasons. It's true that the Senate isn't set up for particular, particularly favorable for Democrats, there were 30 red states in the 2016 election and 20 blue ones, and the many red, uh, small red states such as Wyoming have the number of senators as exponentially more populous blue states as California and New York, um, but the Senate popular vote is not a stat that tells that tale bullshit. It absolutely is. It is a stat that tells that tale. The biggest problem with it is that not every state is up for re-election, leading to a skewed picture. That's not the biggest problem with it. The biggest problem with it is that it's fundamentally undemocratic that a that a few hundred thousand people have the same sway as 40 million people there's also this aaron blake says while democrats lost seats on tuesday night they actually won most of the races that were held at least 22 of the 35 seats and possibly a, a couple more that's 63 percent of the or more of the seats despite winning <coughs> Just 55% of the vote. Just 55% of the vote in a country that's 50-50. And by the way, it is more than that. That's a bad number that he's using. It's it's closer to 58. But um, sounds pretty unfair to Republicans, right? No, not at all. Again, 11 million more people voted for Democrats. And Democrats will have no say in the Senate. They, by virtue of being in the minority, will have no say in legislation. All the legislation that they are able to pass... In, that they're, that's able to come out of the House will be dead on arrival because a legislature, uh, the, the, the upper chamber, the Senate, that lost to the will of the, that, that lost by 11 million people will kill it. And if somehow magically it went through the Senate, it would go to the desk of a president who lost by three and a half million people. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it <laughs> all of our institutions are fucked. The house was just the least, the house is just the least fucked up one right now because it's the one that comes the closest, by the way, similar margin to the house, the house win that Democrats had, uh, was had back in 2010. And what happened then Republicans won by, I think close to 70 seats. It's like, we're complaining about something that is operating the way it was built. Like the way it was meant. Exactly the way that it was meant to be. It's like spotting. Honestly, I know you're not big on sports, but it's like spotting a team. Every single year that you go, that you play against this team, you start off giving them three touchdowns. 
So you're losing 21 to zero at the start of the game. And you sit there and complain about the coach. And you're like, oh, <laughs> the fucking coach sucks, man. He can't figure out a way to make up those three touchdowns. And it's like, oh, right. well, our quarterback sucks. Our quarterback can't figure out a way to be, if we had a more dynamic quarterback, maybe if we had a deeper bench, maybe if our receivers were better, we could find a way to beat this this 21-point disadvantage that we have. Why do you have a 21-point disadvantage to begin with? <laughs> like, that's the problem. The problem is at its core level right there. It's right yep. fucking there. You're starting the game three touchdowns behind. So I just think it's ridiculous. Um, uh, the narrative is bullshit. Don't listen to it. Uh, just keep voting the way that if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably voting as left as, as possible. But, you know, keep voting the way that you, you want to vote. Um, a couple of loose ends that we wanted to knock out. Uh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez won, obviously, in New York. Um, Julia Salazar, who was running for uh, for the state assembly, uh, for, for the uh, state position in New York, also won. So good for them. They were both just brutally savaged during the course of what was obviously going to be very um, perfunctory wins where there was no way that they were not going to they were not going to win in their districts after they won their primaries. There was no way they were going to not win those districts, but still got dragged through the mud. Casio Cortez is still getting dragged for the mud for not being a millionaire and like not having just like 50 grand laying around to go put on a fucking down payment on a, to, that to go put should a, be such a bigger story. Like, I mean, it really shows the true colors of, of w- what these people are that we're up against. You know, it's, it's, it's disgusting. Crazy. It's insane. <laughs> if you missed it, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a DSA member who is the uh, now the youngest person in Congress, will be the youngest member of the freshman incoming class of um, of, of Congress and the youngest con- Congress person, um, made the point of saying, hey, hey, a year ago I was a bartender. I don't have the money until my until my salary kicks in. I don't have the money to go down to D.C. and just get a place in Georgetown. And just like throw 10. I mean, in Miami, you need to have like a solid 15, 20 grand just to get an apartment. Like you need to have first, last and uh, and security deposit. It's not like Vegas where you get three months rent free and, you know, <laughs> and, and like and a free dog <laughs> and like and uh, Vegas is such a dirtbag place. Vegas <laughs> is such a hellhole. Like I look at like I, every once in a while out of curiosity, I look around in Miami at apartments and shit like that. Every apartment, first of all, there's no shitty mass constructed apartment complexes that basically define Vegas. Vegas is just one big apartment complex. Yeah. And, and <laughs> with like a shitty lagoon in the middle of it. And um <laughs> and it, here it's like, oh, you know, one bedroom, shared bathroom. $6,000 a month rent. Uh, <laughs> you know, we need first first months and last month $18,000 to move in. In Vegas, you just have to like basically promise that you'll pay the rent eventually. And, <laughs> and they'll let you move in to like a four bedroom, three bathroom, you know, $900 a month. I did read, <laughs> I did read this yesterday that it's actually starting to change. Rent is starting to go up here uh, on, on apartments, but but yeah, it has been <laughs> consistently since we lived here. It has been uh, yeah. It's every one of those. Trend. You remember I went. You remember like how I like how I how I would skip around apartments every six months. Oh yeah, yeah. You know why I, I did that is because you sign a six month lease. First of all, a fucking six month lease. You sign a six month lease, and they give you the first month for free. So I was always. <laughs> Like I was like, okay, well, what's gonna cost more? Renting a U-Haul for a day or a month of rent? The U-Haul is like thirty bucks. The month of rent is like seven hundred bucks. I was like, yeah, it's an easy choice. I'll just literally move across the street, which I did like eight times during my eight years in Vegas. I would just I still, I move still from apartment to apartment. Apartments on a regular basis. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes two or three in one drive. <laughs> so um anyway uh alexander ocasio cortez fuck the haters um for you know anybody giving her a hard time for i mean they really like you say they really sort of tell on themselves because yep. what their expectation is is that you've done some shit to emerge from an expensive campaign with like a million dollars in your pocket and 
what would you do to be in that circumstance? You would right. be some crooked motherfucker. Like that's the way that you, <laughs> and so like they're giving her a hard time for not being crooked as shit. Like, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, I, you know, I hope it, I hope it continues because honestly, everything that happens with her, remember, I've been saying this since like the beginning of summer, keep coming after her. I love people coming after her. It's right. the best. I'm I'm laughing. I'm actually laughing. I'm not mad. You're mad. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. You're mad. I'm laughing. Uh, no, it's funny because they t- it's 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 w- the criticism that she gets is a very unique type of criticism that I love because it is it is self-revealing. It shows so much about what they're about. It's 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 not like you know, criticism of Clinton or criticism even here in um in, in Florida, criticism of Gillum, who we'll get to in a minute. Uh like that's couched in this like weird socialist, you know, scare tactic stuff, but that doesn't work in her district or in New York. So the 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 criticism that they go after her with really says so much more about them. And there's something about the the specific setup of I mean, she's you know she's young and she's dynamic and well loved and she's hot and she's like got all of the fucking extra stuff going for her on top of having mostly right positions on everything and so the resor- the lengths that they have to resort to to go after her just end up making making the people on the right look so stupid and nope. it's just so much fun the, the other one i wanted to highlight is a very small one but it happened in colorado the house district 9 went to emily sirota who is the wife, she should be known on her own right as, as um, obviously now a, a successful winning politician, a strong progressive voice who's going to be representing, um, you know, those positions in in in, uh, in the state house. But uh, she's also, also happens to be the wife of um, David Sirota, who's uh, one of our favorite reporters, who is just a, a, a dogged, uh, great journalist out there in um in, in Colorado as well. So congratulations to Emily Sirota too. Uh, and don't listen to the media narrative, all the, all this bullshit about how, pro- because it started as like progressives got their ass kicked on Tuesday. And now as more progressives uh, in state houses and in judgeships and in Texas, for instance, all of the judges were, all the federal judges were wiped out. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. All the state judges were like wiped out and replaced with progressive Democrats. And uh, a huge amount of people who are leftist, progressive, like right on the cusp of being like DSA type people or our our revolution type people, because of the gravity of Beto O'Rourke and the output that he the 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 outpouring of support that he got, a lot of other people got elected. And yeah, he didn't he didn't win, but uh, he brought he brought a lot of people over to the finish line. So um, with that said, let's let's go. As we talk about like good news, Dave, what happened in Nevada? Yeah, so the best part, of course, was uh, Roy Moore winning uh, his his seat. Which, <laughs> which Roy fantastic. Moore, the the child molester from Alabama. Oh, did, I, did I say Roy Moore? I meant uh, what's his name? The uh, the uh, oh, um, Dennis Hoft. Dennis Hoft. Why did I say Roy Moore? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, not a lot of daylight between those two. Pretty yeah, similar, know. you know. They're pretty basically, similar. basically the same. Sort of basically thing. the same, dude. Yeah, but Dennis Hoffman, that was great. Uh, but no, no, it was almost dead pimp. Time. I mean, if you Google dead pimp, you'll see that. Uh, yeah, he. <laughs> it's awesome. It's <laughs> amazing. What is a, expl- Help me understand though, really quick, Dave. Before you move on, I know that that's just like a throwaway joke, but like, sure. who? What is that district? Who are the people in that district? Like, is it like, like, Perum like cowboys? Like, there's there's a Facebook page. So like disabled Perum- disabled cowboys or what? Like, there, there's a Facebook page called Perump Be Like, and it, it's basically just like you know meth people and stuff like that. You know, like yeah, like silly videos of like the worst of the worst. And yeah, I mean that that's that district. You know, <laughs> um, and, I've only yeah, been to Pahrump like twice in my life. Yeah, I lived right. in Vegas like eight or nine years, and I only went to Pahrump twice. But no, it was it was uh, basically all good news. Um, you know, obviously Steve Sislak uh, won uh, for governor, and he's the first Democrat to be governor in what twenty years or something like that. Um, here here in Nevada, wow. uh, 
Senate, we we flipped with Jackie Rosen, um, and just a whole bunch of other positions. Yeah, the only outright win, the only outright win from a Republican incumbent versus in the Senate again, highlighting the um, the 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 inherent inequity of that chamber of government. Jackie Rosen, centrist Democrat, defeated Dean Heller, mm-hmm. human waffle iron. Who like goes yeah. back and forth between being trying to be a moderate Democrat, a, a moderate Republican, and a Trump Republican, who is right. one of those guys who will like show up at an event with Donald Trump and have his arm around him, but like also try to be at arm's length at the same time so they don't get photographed together. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so good. But yeah, uh, good good news all across, and we we're we we're very very happy with the results. And Steve Sislak, I mean, you know, he's you know for the most part a centrist Democrat, but I mean, he does lean uh, progressive on some issues. So, and overall, I mean, we actually do like him. So, I mean, we're we're happy with him being the uh, being the new governor. I th- I think it's going to be a good thing. Yeah, and the 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 thing that happens with with Nevada is that like so much of that state is defined by this big machine that Harry Reid built this like get out the I mean like that's how I think that's how Gina got into politics right didn't she know Harry Reid people and like originally years ago I mean they the, Harry Reid like uh long gone you know Senator Harry Reid um god I think he's only been gone like two years but still feels like forever it feels uh, like forever yeah he, he, no friend to progressives, no friend to far left people, but to his credit, like I say, built a machine and a get out the vote machine that, that, that made Democrats be relevant in Nevada uh, at a time when really they probably shouldn't have been. And I, I think it's a lot of it has to do a lot of the success that we saw on Tuesday probably are the, you know, the ghosts of that machine. You know, they, they actually are the leftovers of what Harry Reid built, a lot of the organizational outreach and and canvassing and things like that are are built on the infrastructure that he made. So you know, um, I, I I mean, you got to give him credit for that. Absolutely, yeah. So from from Nevada from Nevada we go just south to your uh, neighbors in Arizona, which is. <laughs> The Florida of the West, if I <laughs> call it anything, um, in more ways than one. But in the way that we're talking about specifically today is the fact that their Senate seat is going into recall. I'm sorry, into recount territory. This from this morning or actually late last night uh, on Politico, uh, Kirsten Cinema lead grows again as Arizona Senate vote count re- continues. Um, so they're still counting votes. And on the night of the election, it looked like uh, GOP, the GOP's candidate, Martha McSally. And again, this is for the seat that's being vacated by Jeff Flake. So this is Jeff Flake's seat. Uh, He's too much of a pussy to fight against Trump and and do anything other than tweet about how gross he thinks he is. Uh, So like he's basically just quitting because he's a coward and a fucking nobody. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So somebody has to replace him, and it's between two Congress people, Congresswomen, Kirsten Cinema, who had what a lot of people thought was an interesting story, an interesting among among other people, me, I thought she was had an interesting potential um, years ago when she came onto the national stage after, you know, kind of getting attention because of a very unique story where she grew up in um, in, in abject poverty. Lived for years in a uh, in a gas station in the near the Panhandle of Florida in a in an abandoned gas station and um, you know was the first openly bisexual member of Congress and all these sort of very interesting. She hadn't really done any. She hadn't really created much of a record for herself, but her her markings, you know, like all of the, her background led you to believe that she would be a progressive voice and somebody who would understand the plight of the working people and would understand the, um, the, you know, the, the, the struggle of marginalized people. And a lot of people, including me were excited when she won, uh, a few elections in a row and, and kind of like, wow, this, this, this woman might have a you know great voice. And we also sat there waiting for her to actually have something to say. And, she never really did. And slowly over the years, she's moved right. 
to the point where she's pretty far cinema that is pretty far right of center now she's basically a uh a, you know what you what you would call a blue dog dem right like somebody who's mm-hmm. just a democrat in name only she's more aligned with politically with a um you know joe manchin or a um a donnelly in indiana who got his ass handed to him and um so it, it's it's with like sort of mixed feelings that you see that she's beating martha mcsally who is uh who <laughs> stole valor claimed to be a fighter pilot isn't a fighter <laughs> pilot is actually a bomber pilot which if you think that i i don't know i pers i personally i don't see any valor or like i don't see any any i, I don't see any virtue in being a person that just flies miles and miles above something and drops bombs on it. I I, sure. I don't think that that's heroic. I don't think that that's service. That's like, you know, well, that, 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 that should be celebrated. Um, you know, any more than like a drone operator should be you're celebrated. A drone, you're a drone with a paycheck. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah, you're an IRL drone. <laughs> so, um, anyway, Martha McSally played up military service as much as she could in, in the run up. Uh, in a place that obviously in a state that obviously rewards the appearance of military service, as we know from the 130 years that John McCain served there in the Senate and house. <laughs> so, but on election night, it really looked like cinema was going to uh, take it in the ass, but over the course of the intervening weeks, she's now gotten to a lead of about 28,688. That's cinema, the Democrat um, who, will now take over this seat likely i mean it seems like it's probably going to head to a recount and uh, a lot of smaller counties are still coming in and the smaller counties will give an edge to the republican as smaller counties always do um but they're small so it's very small numbers that you're talking about um cinema has 49.5 percent of the vote mcsally's at 48.2 hundreds of thousands more votes still left to count uh, they crazy. yeah I mean, <laughs> it's how could that be? Like, it's insane. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, this is a this was a a race that attracted fifty million dollars in outside spending, which has is pretty much the norm now. Beto got seventy million dollars in outside spending on his own. Somebody made like think about it: fifty million dollars for this race. Take Beto's seventy million dollars, add that together, and you could just pay. To like start, you know, these like you remember Tony Shea had that right. had that 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 thing in, in Nevada. You could just do what was that called, Dave? The project of downtown or something? Uh, yeah, downtown project, yeah. Yeah. So like you could just do an incubator, like fake city like that in Is there a Wyoming. Guy, uh, that wants to run for president and do that. Like just really? Say, I haven't heard that. Yes, yeah, some Asian guy, I think. Um Tony Shea. He, yeah, there's totally only totally there's totally. only one Asian guy, like one Asian guy exists in any but conversation. Yeah, I think, I think he wants to give everyone like a thousand bucks or something and be like, "Hey, vote for me." Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. See, my my plan is more devious than that. You could just yeah. pay. You could just pay everybody a few thousand bucks to relocate them to no, Wyoming, yeah, to Wyoming, yeah. and then just take over Wyoming. There's only like only like fifty people live in Wyoming. <laughs> fifty people live in Wyoming. We could just pay. We could just take all the money from Beto's race, all the money from Cinema's race, and a, a fund, $200 million, to relocate people from fucking Brooklyn and from and from Santa Monica and <laughs> to Wyoming and just build a, a, a fake city. So now to the big <laughs> to the big thing. Wait, I'm not even sure what you're laughing at. Are you laughing at your dog still barking? Or I'm laughing at all of it. <laughs> I was laughing at your face too. <laughs> By the oh, way, because we... I'm reading. I, I, you know, what's funny is I'm reading, so I don't even yeah. see. I don't yeah. see you. Yeah. We're using this new Squadcast app, and uh, we can now see each other while we record. <laughs> so I'm just looking at him, and I'm just laughing. <laughs> Should be reading the notes and doing research, furiously researching and coming up with takes. I, I, ha- I have been the whole episode, but. Well then, what's your Florida take before we jump into it? What do you, from your outside perspective, what's going on in Florida? I said it earlier, and I'll say it again. I feel bad for you. I, it's just, I mean, it must really suck. That, that's all. I mean, was there any good news except for uh, what was it, Amendment Four? Um, there was some, some 
okay news. Yes. Starting it off, Amendment 4, which my colleagues at the DSA, my friends at the DSA worked so hard to get passed, um, it passed, right? That's good. Good news, which means uh, Amendment 4 means that felons, um, nonviolent felons or felons right. who, I'm not sure if they draw the line of nonviolence or if it's just murder and rape. Uh, but anyway, people who have been convicted of felonies, the overwhelming majority of people who have been convicted of felonies will now be able to automatically have their uh, voting rights restored, which, uh, is, which great is great. Thing. 1.4 million people, 1.4 million Floridians, an enormous number, overwhelmingly black. This is a, this is a law. And the thing that I love about the DSA and about the guy, the folks, uh, not just guys, guys, girls, everybody, um, all men, all genders, all everybody that worked on this, that did such a great job is that they really underscored how this is a race, a racist voter suppression. Right. Law, like not, not amendment four, but the way that the way that the law was set up before, uh, they framed it in the proper context, which is racial lines. And I know nobody wants to make anything about race, right? Because race doesn't exist and we're post-racial and our whole country, you know, racism ended in 1968. I don't know if you heard the news or not, but it's been, it's been done for 40, for 50 years now. Um, yeah, guess what? It hasn't. Race is still the overriding factor in all social issues in our country. And um, the fact is that during rick scott's i'm trying to recall these numbers off the top of my head since i didn't make note of them during rick Rick scott who we're going to get to in a minute during his governorship um during the prior governorship charlie christ about 150,000 people came forward to have uh, 150,000 people convicted of felonies came forward and got their rights restored during rick scott's administration it's closer to 3,000, and they were all pretty much white people from republican counties this amendment four has the potential to undo a lot of that that damage and and bring a lot of a lot of people back into into the fold of their democracy into their society into participating in in who their leaders are and um you know voting not just for the president but voting for things like their mayor or voting for things like you know their school their 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 school board and stuff like that if they have children or even if they don't everybody should get to vote for the school board which they do but most people just don't actually vote for it uh so it's great. Amendment four passing. This is what's called a compliment sandwich. Okay. I'm going to start with something good and I, I will end with something good, but everything in the middle is going to be shit. Uh, so, um, <laughs> Shalala, uh, as we've talked about her a lot, uh, as she kind of ambled her way through a lackluster, uh, can uh, campaign managed to beat Univision <laughs> news anchor, Maria Elvira Salazar. Uh, so Donna Shalala will be my new congresswoman. The big great news, Donna Shalala, who again, like, is it is a Democrat and fine, right? Fine. She's a Democrat. She's there's literally nothing else to really like about her. Um <laughs> <laughs> other than the fact that she will caucus with Democrats. A candidate who's a little further to her left, uh, who we've supported and who we've been rooting for, um, though still, you know, pretty firmly centrist, which I guess that's okay because that is honestly the makeup of her of, of her constituency in Florida District 26. Debbie McCarcel Powell pulling a big upset on our least our most hated congressperson, Carlos Curbelo. Fuck Carlos Curbelo. See you in four years when you run for mayor, you shit-kicking nitwit. <laughs> fucking hate you, you pernicious weasel. We oh it felt so good to see that asshole lose. This fucking holier than thou, sanctimonious, eight foot jump shot taking on fucking uh, television bag of garbage. <laughs> Total fucking waste. Uh, a waste of four years of, of representation in Congress. Constantly pinning his record of being this moderate centrist who actually gets things done. Who produces horrible legislation. That doesn't even get through the early, like he, this guy basically is like the little girl from the fucking, what's the, the shake and bake ads where she's like, it's shake and bake and I helped. But imagine him tossing just an ice, an, an ice cube into an oven and being like, I'm helping, I'm helping. And like, that's literally what all of his legislation was, was just like, like gossamer strands of fucking cotton candy falling apart under even the slightest scrutiny or objection 
from his red meat Republican. It's colleagues. like when you're making the bed and the dog jumps on it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> He was the worst. And the reason that one. The reason that I the reason that I hated Carlos Corbello so much was because he's one of these guys who sort of provides cover for Republicans writ large. Where anytime you try to make the point that the Republican Party has gone completely off the rails, which it has, and pushing forward an agenda based on the absolute worst aspects of the human spirit and the human condition, which it has, he exists only to be one counterfactual to be like, oh yeah, what about guys like Carlos Carbello? Look, he's coming up with um great solutions. They all fucking suck. And none of them even come close to being considered. All of his bills, his immigration bill, uh, you know, all, all of the things that he supported were terrible. So he lost good fucking riddance, terrible congressperson. His, he's, he's gonna run for mayor of the county probably in four years. I'll run against him. And let me tell you, I won't win. <laughs> <laughs> but neither but neither will he i promise oh, yeah. you that i'll run against I, his ass and he will not win <laughs> it will be an absolute sideshow <laughs> it will be a disaster um some other interesting things and as we get talk about amendment four and we kind of move into into um the bigger stories uh amendment four passed um ban on offshore drilling and also vaping banned uh passed uh really <laughs> yeah that's interesting ban- interesting right okay yeah right Are, you're following me follow me on this thread there's a state full of people this state full of people voted with big hearts to allow felons to participate in democracy again right they voted right. with 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 environmental consciousness to get rid of offshore drilling they invite they voted with compassion to ban dog racing in a state that is the home of dog racing. So now there's going to, you know, by the way, adopt a Greyhound. If you're listening to this and you're in Florida, there's going to be a lot of uh, influx of, it's going to be like a thousand Greyhound, Greyhounds that are up for adoption in the next um, few months. As is, the, is Wiggy the, getting a brother? <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> I've heard that Greyhounds um, are good with kids. So maybe. Yeah, um, that's true. You know what happens with Greyhounds? Uh, this is hilarious. It's it's scary, but it's it's hilarious. You know when you go to t- uh, unleash your dog, like when you take the leash off of, um, when you snap the leash off, yeah. how there's like a little bit of torque or tension, like you're pulling back on their neck a little, and then yeah, you yeah. clip it off and they kind of go forward. Yeah. When you do that to a greyhound, they bolt. They take off and you'll never catch them. Like, because right. it's <laughs> like this mechanism in them that's like, that's like the start of the race. Yeah, yeah. And when you take the leash off, if you put any pressure backwards on their neck, they just boom, they come out fast. Like boom, as soon as they as soon as they, you'll never catch them. They uh I was uh, yeah, I interviewed a few years ago for a story about again about banning about banning dog racing. I um I interviewed some some experts on on the topic and they were like, "Yeah, you know, they take a little bit of extra training on the part of the owner." The owner has to be trained to do certain things, and that's one of them. Anyway, back to my point. The same voting body that voted for all of those things also, as we move into sort of the main event races, also voted for Ron DeSantis, the MAGA chud gubernatorial candidate, the the gubernatorial candidate probably most closely aligned with Donald Trump and his agenda. We're heading into a recount, as most people know, because um, it's been bandied all over the place. Everybody has learned about Broward County and what a, our neighbors to the north here in Miami and what a fucking disaster the um, the Board of Elections there has always been. I mean, as long as I've lived here, Brenda Snipes, who's, who's the uh, supervisor of elections in Broward, is now a household name among people who are politically engaged. They all know what a what a I'm sorry. She's a moron. She's terrible at her job. Uh, she always has been. I mean, she always has been fucking awful. Uh, every, Broward, even in elections that aren't close statewide, you don't get a, you don't get full results from Broward until like two or three weeks later. It's just how it's always been, and um, this one is particularly bad. But uh, again, Gillum, DeSantis, a very clear choice. There couldn't be a clearer choice between two gubernatorial candidates. 
and a, a more distinct a more distinct choice a more contrasted choice the same people if you look at the numbers the same people a lot of the same people who voted for those relatively i don't even want to call them progressive but sort of common sense things like compassionate things good things yeah yeah voted in the majority and i know it's going to go to a recount but like honestly let's be realistic it's if you look at the numbers Gillum's not going to unfortunately it, it pains me to say it but Gillum's not going to pull it out um right. just by raw numbers he, he won't and that's a result of a lot of things that we'll get into but DeSantis won like the obvious it couldn't be more of a cartoon villain character one again looking further down the ballot or actually up the ballot because this is technically a higher ballot race R- Rick Scott who's been our governor for the last eight years, who's created some of the worst circumstances in the history of Florida, where every job is barista at Starbucks or working at some other fucking quick service restaurant or fast food restaurant. Every Like it's 100% employment and everybody has two fast food jobs. And his, his going against his opponent, Bill Nelson, just sort of a, you know, like I said before, like a, a, a central casting corpse of a Democrat. And they over the same people that voted for these again empirically good things on the ballot voted for the guy who with his complete deregulation ruined everything about the state environmentally um we talked with alex harris a few weeks back about how bad a condition south florida is in and i mean this was something that was on people's mind people knew this he's the guy who botched the response to hurricane irma and allowed a dozen elderly people to die to bake to death in a fucking uh nursing home with no power i can't i can't reconcile those things usually i can come up with good working theories about shit like this and this is one where i I just can't i can't reconcile them do you think it comes down to uh people are generally good but susceptible to con men like (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I saw a lot of people saying things like that, that were like, um, you know, the, 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 the most, the most reasonable solution or the most reasonable answer is that, um, you know, people are just polarized and they're driven by more than one thing. Uh, you know, if they see an R versus a D, then that's like rooting for their team. Mm, yeah, but yeah. on things on things where but there's not a clear issues though yeah exactly on specific issues if you if you post if you okay let's use amendment four as an example right um liberal groups democrats and progressives were mostly aligned in the yes column for that right and then uh there wasn't a lot of voice of opposition against it but there was some significant voice of op- opposition against it and it was it was consistently republican right so if you had branded amendment four democrat republican maybe it wouldn't have passed right i mean in in what you're positing because people are taken in not just republicans democrats too are taken in and they're aligned with their teams and then it becomes it becomes a team sport just like you know i'm a new york jets fan and i overwhelmingly hate most of the players on the team they're terrible and they're like they're they're garbage right and i hate all the people who uh drafted them and i hate the front office and i i think it's a garbage organization but it's still my team so i still root for them right, right. and i think there's some there's some analog there with the way that our brains work and the way that we identify along team lines and a lot of things and yeah maybe that is it or the occam's razor which I've put out there in the past before, uh, actually very recently when we were talking about our shitty political beliefs, um, you know, the, 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 the most simple solution just being that there's lying and cheating happening, right. which I a hundred percent believe in, in counties, in counties like Volusia County, um, in counties that are, that are deep red in this state, which tend not to be the very populated ones, uh, tend to be the ones that are more easily, um, easily tabulated on the night of the election miami it's always takes some time to get miami's results orange county is always one of the later ones broward you see what a fucking train wreck that shit is and uh you know those are the more populous centers of um voting for uh 
Palm Beach County also is in in the crosshairs right now. Uh, all Democratic, heavily leaning Democratic places. Um, so my point is, I still firmly believe that there's a lot of shenanigans that never come out. That's I think it's like my third use of the word shenanigans. But uh, <laughs> there's a lot of shit that happens in these red counties because it's collusive as in it has it has it has the propensity to lean towards collusion if there were if volusia county which is right now under fire very lightly because nobody's talking about it everybody's talking about broward county but volusia county made it really difficult for um specifically black and democratic voters to, to vote there were a lot of sort of, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence that um that people of color were were denied the ability to vote in volusia county Again, nobody's talking about it, but it's out there on Twitter if you're paying attention, if you're from Florida and you're, you're looking at this kind of stuff. If you're a red county, like Volusia County, and you're, you've made the choice that you're going to do everything you can to um, pad your vote total, it's not going to be hard working and reporting up to a state that's run by the Republican Party and pretty much wholly owned by the Republican Party to make that happen. Now, if you're simply incompetent like Broward County or... If you want to engage in voter fraud, like a lot of idiots like Marco Rubio and Matt Gates and and uh, Rick Scott are alleging, you're not going to get away with that shit in Florida. If you're trying to engage in vote in vote fraud on behalf of Democrats, you're going to have a bunch of chuds and dipshits and fucking red hat wearing, um, you know, heart disease uh, carriers standing in front of your standing in front of your board of election offices with homemade signs uh you know on, in the in the fucking flatbeds of their F150s screeching at you that's what you're going to end up getting in a place like Broward or any place you know in the imagination of these idiots where there's you know actual um, voter fraud happening it's much quieter if it's if both parties the county and the state are on the same side and what i'm positing is that that's exactly what happened. Um, I think the simplest solution is that a person like Rick Scott and all of the other <laughs> known felons and people who have per perpetrated frauds, don't forget Rick Scott perpetrated, was part of the biggest Medicare fraud in the history of that program uh, when he was still in, in the private sector. Somebody who is a fraudster, somebody who has committed untold amounts of, of, of crime and uh, done horrible things, um, lied, stolen, misappropriated, uh, obscured his emails and his communications, um, done a record of, of being dishonest and being a partisan hatchet person to think that they wouldn't just pad their vote totals in counties that they control where there's no oversight. I mean, that's, that's fucking, that's crazy. That's crazy. Right. Uh, so again, Go back to my my worst political belief, which I think in the coming months will turn out to be, and maybe maybe it'll take a long time, but in the coming years, will turn out to be correct that it that DeSantis, Scott, probably both going to win, probably both illegitimate. Illegitimate. I, I would I would argue with zero evidence, <laughs> circumstantially. <laughs> I mean, that's what we're here for, right? <laughs> that's what we're here for. I mean, this is podcasting. What else are we going to yeah. do? Um, <laughs> one I wanted to highlight, though, was another statewide election that looked like it was going the wrong way. Uh, agricultural commissioner here in um, in Florida is an incredibly important position. It's actually kind of like almost like the 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 person who's in charge of um, in charge of all business, really. Like it's a, it's a it's a it's not just limited to agriculture. It's it's uh, agriculture is kind of um, a tent that this position this position falls under, and uh, it's a it's a very important position in Florida. Um, Nikki Freed, Nicole Nikki Freed, who is in favor of uh, legalized weed, man, fuck yeah. Uh, she ran on a legalized weed platform, among other things. She's a pretty progressive voice here in South here in in, in Florida. I think she's based in West Palm Beach, and. Um, Looked like she was losing as votes have continued to come in. She's now opened up like about a 5,000 vote lead in uh, in the state. So it looks like she's going to hold on to that position, which is awesome. 
Um, it looked like it was going to be, you know, a down, uh, down the, down the middle, down the ticket, you know, full red revolution here. Like almost everything that happened in Nevada, the opposite, like just down, like all the way down, like just complete red, 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 red. Um, so I would say of the things that I also wanted to mention, talked about Matt Gates who is a drunk <laughs> God, and, and like whose dad was in the legislature. And the only reason he got elected is because he basically helped um, a DUI of, of uh, his, his dad basically helped the DUI of his get, you know, disappeared or not mentioned enough to, to cost him an election. Um, but he, he's in a deep red place. He's never going to have a Democrat will never beat him. So he's free to say things like, uh, you know, go, go like he, he's showing up as sort of an outside agitator in Broward County right right now, even though, even though he's not, his district is nowhere near Broward County. He's showing up there to, you know, fuel the fires and the flames and the, what will, by the time this podcast goes up, probably be fucking riots in front of the uh, board of elections in Broward. He's a key voice agitating that making it worse he's uh tweeting about how the media in florida is the enemy of the people which is very familiar language that we've heard before um alleging that there's fraud even though the uh, florida department of law enforcement has found no fraud various courts and, and other agents of the state have taken sober looks at what's going on in broward and while there is widespread incompetence and bad logistics and and brenda snipes is is terrible there's no fraud happening um so you know there's a lot of people that are sort of following along with him marco rubio has found his voice and found his balls and he's he's sort of talking a lot more shit about about fraud but being very careful to like come just short of saying that there's fraud but at the same time inflaming and indicting and you know using like rick scott has gone rick scott who had been sort of like a very mild-mannered milk toast candidate is going full MAGA and going full media liberals, you know, the whole nine yards. He, he, he's, you know, he's following the playbook. So that's, what's going on down here. Um, <laughs> the one thing I wanted to bring up was this fucking guy, Darcy Richardson, who was, a, who's like this famously, like he's one of these guys who just famously, runs for shit and barely gets even considered. So I wanted to bring up the fact that as we're looking at a tiny sliver margin in a, in a state of millions and millions and millions of people, um, this guy Richardson ran for governor on the reform party ticket, which I mean, I don't know what the current makeup of the reform party is, but usually it's people who would probably more closely identify as Democrats than Republicans, but they, but they hate Mm -hmm. them both. Um, so this guy siphoned off a solid 47,000 votes <laughs> in an election that's being separated by 0.41 of a percentage point. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, that's literally the difference between DeSantis and Gillum right now is yeah. the Darcy Rich. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that fucking guy that goes after the Green Party and goes after the Libertarians and whatever, because I, I usually think that that's bullshit. And the third party votes usually cancel out on either side. Um, and also the third party argument, like giving shit to the third party. First of all, it assumes that everybody who voted third party would vote for your candidate, which is not true. They wouldn't, some would just not vote. And then some would vote for your opponent. And then the other thing is also like that. There's a problem voting third party. You know what? If your candidate fucking sucks, the third party person who earned the other, who earned the voters rights, uh, the, who earned the voters vote should get the vote. And that you know, make your candidates be better. Now, this time around, usually there's like two third parties, like a libertarian and a green, and they'll sort of mitigate each other and wash each other a lot of times. Not the case this time. Um, usually it's some shitty centrist candidate like Hillary Clinton. I know that he that he campaigned for her and he was a big vocal supporter for her, but Andrew Gillum is a hell of a lot better of a candidate than Hillary Clinton. And if you're a reform party type of person. Andrew Gillum gave you a hell of a lot more to be excited about than Hillary Clinton or any of those sort of stooges ever would. Andrew Gillum was actually a pretty fucking good candidate for considering the position he was running for, which is governor of Florida. 
Like to be that progressive and to be that close to being right on that many issues is pretty fucking impressive considering that this state can barely fucking walk and chew gum at the same time. And um, so I wanted to bring up this guy, Darcy Richardson, just because like he's that lone exception to my rule not to give shit to third party candidates because you know what? If if third if the third party candidate doesn't deserve to be there, then they wouldn't be getting the votes. But guess what? They're there and they're getting the votes. Usually, I am a supporter of the third party candidate. I do think that a you know like there was a missed opportunity in two thousand for somebody like a Ralph Nader to build out something new that maybe would have been better for our country, um, and it got swept up in the criticism of of losing the two thousand election, uh, which is understandable. And actually, again, another fucking recount that was based where here in Florida. Um, <laughs> But in this case, I will give Darcy Richardson, who never had any fucking chance of even making any kind of a dent in anything, only play, only had the chance of playing spoiler. Uh, I will give him shit because, like, come on, man. This is a con for him at this point. This is, like, the fourth election that he's run in where he had no chance of even making a dent. And he's just a perennial, I'm going to run for something to make a point guy. And right, right. his point wasn't even made. Nobody's talking about him. Yeah, Nobody gives a shit. The reform party candidate, the reform party is not elevated. Their issues aren't elevated by virtues of him siphoning off 47,000 votes. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my only little thing. Uh, to, the, the deadline now is Thursday for, um, for the recounts. Uh, Nelson and Scott are going to a hand recount. Gillum and... Um, DeSantis are going to a machine recount. Nikki Freed also will go to a recount. I believe it will be a hand recount. Uh, her margin seems like it's surging in one direction. So it's like, it's different in terms of like the dynamic, like the other one, it's like the margin is narrowing with like the Gillum and DeSantis every other, every couple hours, they find like a, a 10 more votes stashed behind a photocopier or something for them. Um, <laughs> for, for Gillum usually for most of them tend to break towards Gillum or towards, uh, nelson uh yeah so i mean i would say a week from now look for florida to have a republican governor incoming two republicans senators and a democratic agricultural commissioner who can hopefully be a bulwark against some of the worst uh proclivities of the of the gop sounds fun it'll be great (laughs) no but i was gonna finish it off by saying the guy, our punching bag, Marco Rubio, who's just the fucking worst senator in that, like one of the worst senators in the, in, in that disease, pus ridden body, actually has a tweet that, that, that kind of sums up everything where he says, How will our nation peacefully settle its political differences if elections lose their credibility because of lawlessness? That's why what your friend, he's talking about Marco Puto, political reporter, who's talking about a woman who's a friend of his, Ileana Bowen. Um, who is a woman of color who was denied her ability to vote in, uh, in, in Volusia County. Um, so Rubio is quote tweeting Mark Caputo here. And he's saying, that's why what happened to your friend, uh, is unacceptable. And why the irregularities in Broward and Palm beach is about more than just the outcome of three races. Uh, now what, what Rubio is doing there in classic Rubio style is he's couching, sort of a both sides thing in a critique of the left and like his real target there is Broward and Palm beach because that's where all the Democrats are. So he's really taking a shot at them, but he's using sort of both sides to do it. But he has a good point about our nation, specifically Florida, but our nation giving any credibility to any of these elections anymore. I don't know how much faith we used to have in elections. I have zero. I have zero. Yeah, I, I I think that's absolutely true, and um, I I don't know that people did have faith before. I mean, did they? Like maybe, maybe not. Know. Maybe at some point, but I don't know. Especially nowadays, though, it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty hard to believe what you know when it's. I mean, just the fact you said some are going to be hands recount, and some are going to be machine recount. When you said that, I was just thinking to myself, like, like why is there even options <laughs> like it's such yeah. a stupid there's system. like tears yeah exactly yeah. such a stupid system 
And then just coming in right now, literally off the off the presses in the Miami Herald, machine glitches delay the start of ballot recount in Broward County by hours. <laughs> Fucking perfect. Dave, yesterday you um you gave us a little uh promo of something that you're working on. What uh you, you want to talk about it again? In case anybody Yeah, missed- sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, this coming Saturday, November 17th, is Virtual Reality Day across the country and I believe across the world. And Future here in Las Vegas, everybody knows those things. Um, I'm sorry. That was just. So yeah, uh, here in Vegas, there's. I was just reciting a, uh, a song by modern contemporary recording artist Jamiroquai. Maybe you've Jamiroquai. heard it. Jamiroquai. Uh, yeah, so we're gonna be celebrating at Work in Progress downtown Las Vegas. God damn it! Wait till you hear what I do during your plug. I'm not gonna plug anything. Fart noise. Jokes on you. Time. Jokes the on whole you. Time. Uh, work in progress downtown 317 6th Street, Las Vegas. You could uh, get tickets. It's free, but you get tickets on Eventbrite. Search for uh, Virtual Reality Day 2018 Las Vegas. And I will be speaking there about uh, using music to uh, help uh, build up experiences in virtual reality and also showing off my new virtual reality music video, Palindrome 360. Do you know what a palindrome is? Yes, I know what a palindrome is. I don't believe you. Um, <laughs> I keep forgetting the cameras here, so you you must be seeing my complete look of disinterest when you start talking. I'm just uh, like, uh-huh. <laughs> I literally like, I leave, I leave. The, I'm like, I mean, if, that's if my you, opinion anyway. What do you think, Dave? If you only knew. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.